Hi, everybody. Are you ready for part two of Talking Points? <laughs> You're like, I don't know, am I? We're in part two, choosing relationships over politics. We're so grateful for North Point Community Church for sharing their resources. This is a series that is designed to make all of us uncomfortable. So today should be fun. Thanks so much for that, David. For those of you who didn't catch David's teaching last week, or you were here, sorry, if you heard it, how are you doing? Are you still mad? Are you still uncomfortable? Obviously, you're not that mad because you still showed up again. Are you still tuned in? Our goal by the end of this series is that all of us truly would be better because we're tackling this together, even if it means we are going to be comfortable in the midst of it. So, if you're not a Christian, I'm so glad you're watching. I'm so glad you're here. Here's the deal, though. I am inviting you to sit on the outside and judge us, okay? I'm inviting you to judge us right now to see whether or not we, Jesus followers, do what we're going to talk about today if we do it very well. In fact, my hunch is, is that if we, the church, actually did a better job at what we're going to talk about today, you may actually be more interested in the Christian faith or you may have never abandoned the Christian faith at all. So please sit back, judge away, and listen carefully. Now, if you're a Christian, if you're a Jesus follower, here's the tension, and this is where we left off last week. The tension is this. Are we willing or even able to put our faith filter ahead of our political filter? Are we willing to be Christ followers first and Republicans and Democrats and Libertarians and Librarians second? Are we willing to follow Jesus when following Jesus creates space between us and our political party. Now to be clear, I'm not suggesting that you not talk about politics. I think we should all lean in to what is happening in our nation right now. But what I am suggesting is that we not allow the political climate, politics, to divide us, to divide our church in any way. Thank you for that amen. I'm with you. Because if you remember, there's one thing that Jesus prayed about more than anything. He prayed that his body, his movement, his ecclesia, his church would not be divided, that we would be one, that we would find a way where we can disagree politically, but love unconditionally and pray for unity. Amen. Now, the interesting thing, it's curious that the first century Jesus followers and people and us in 2020, that we have this thing in common, and this is it. Everybody wants a piece of Jesus, and everybody wants Jesus to be on their side, right? Everybody believes that Jesus is on their side. Right now, both parties, they're convinced. 
Man, Jesus is with us. Man, he's on our side, right? Republicans are absolutely convinced Jesus would be a Republican because of their values. Democrats would say absolutely Jesus would be a Democrat because of his care and concern for people. And so everybody thinks they're right and everybody thinks Jesus is on their side. And our entire teaching team, we could write sermons rooted in scripture to support both of those arguments, both sides. Because here's the deal, when you interpret the words of Jesus through the filter of your political filter, it's amazing. He's so red, he's so blue, it's amazing how often he sounds just like you. So the question is this, can we put our Jesus-following filter, our faith filter, ahead of our political filter? And I know this is very difficult to do, I know that, but I am given hope just this morning in both services that as we sang out that song, Jesus paid it all and the instruments went away and the voices up here went away and it was just our voice, one voice, singing out as one, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. One voice together. And if we can do this in here, then by God must we do that every single day of the week, not just an hour plus on Sunday. We have to, if our Jesus filter is before our political filter, we can do this. So I know this is hard, but I'm going to try to offer us a way forward towards unity today. Famous author and pastor Tony Evans, he said this, Jesus did not come to take sides, he came to take over. Amen. He did not come to take sides, he came to take over. Jesus came to introduce the kingdom of God to earth, the kingdom of God values, an upside-down kingdom. You remember that teaching series, Upside Down? How strange it was to talk about stranger things in the midst of a pandemic. That was awkward. Uh, an upside-down kingdom where those with wealth and power leverage their wealth and power and resources for those who have less wealth and power and resources. But the kingdom of God will always conflict with the kingdoms of men. Therefore, the kingdom of God will always at some level conflict with your political party. There's always going to be tension. And this is why it is absolutely foolish for the church to ever be divided over a candidate or a political party. Because at the end of the day, no political party is ever going to line up definitively with the kingdom values of Jesus. It is foolish for us to be divided because we are supposed to be kingdom people first and political people second. And I know that this is 
difficult for some of you. Mom and dad, I know you're watching. (laughs) But my mom and dad, if they can move to be more like Jesus, and I can say this because I'm their son and I've watched them for 40, almost 43 years of my life. If they can do it, then all of you can do it, okay? To move from red or blue to the middle where Jesus sits on a throne. I know for some of you, this is hard. This is difficult. For some of you, you feel like you got to represent right now, right? i got to be strong. i got to represent. I can't back down, right? I can't be afraid. Jesus said, he said, don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous. Okay, great. Here's a question. Are we being strong and courageous to represent our political party more than we are being strong and courageous to bring heaven to earth in our marriages, in our schools, in our communities, and in our classrooms, in our workplaces? Are we being strong and courageous to love our neighbor as ourselves regardless of their political party? If our Jesus filter is before our political filter, listen, we vote for a president, but we serve and bow down to a king. Vote. I implore you, get out there and vote. I have too many family members who have lost their limbs, lost their minds, fighting for the freedoms that we now enjoy for us not to step in to those freedoms that they fought and bled for. Vote. Enter into the fray. But do it with your Jesus filter out in front. Guys... Some folks have gone crazy. You laugh, but the person next to you laughing is laughing because they're thinking of you. Some of us have gone crazy over which man is going to sit in an oval office. Have we forgotten That we have a king who sits on a throne who holds the universe in concerts and we're losing our minds over a man? Can we all please take a time out? Time out. Take a breath and gain a little perspective. This is what I am gonna try to do today first. I'm allowing these words that I believe God has given me to share today for them to hit and resonate within me first and then send them out. But I've gotta do this, I've gotta stay right here. Y'all ever see Hitch, you know? When he said, this is right here, this is where you got, don't you dare, right? Some of you, if you see me going off the rails, I give you permission to come tackle me on stage. 
I got to stay right here. Here, I'm going to try to do this today. I'm going to try not to get worked up. <laughs> I'm going to try to stay on script because I know that the entire executive team and David and the elders and some of you, you're like praying, you're sweating bullets in blood, praying that I don't go off the rails in the middle of a political teaching right now. Just stay in your lane, John. I'm trying real hard, Lori. I'm trying real hard, okay? I'm going to try to offer us a very simple way forward because it's coming from me, so it's going to be simple. A simple way forward to help us find unity in the midst of division and political diversity. So to start with, let us take a look at a a man that we find in the Bible who was completely vanilla and never caused any problems. Let us look at the Apostle Paul. Many of you have heard of possibly him. Paul, he steps onto the pages of history as someone who hates Christians. This should be fun. He was a Pharisee, a Roman citizen. He was brilliant, super smart, super educated. Then he becomes a Jesus follower. He gets knocked off his horse, we'll say. He becomes a Jesus follower, and, and, and God uses him, of all people, to radically spread the gospel and transform the world. And so he had all this background, all this stuff going on. And the Apostle Paul, in two of his letters, gives us a phrase that I think is going to be the starting point for our way forward. A phrase that maybe you've, you've, you've glossed over. It it's only shows up twice in all of his letters. And the phrase is this. The law of Christ. The law of Christ. He uses it in 1 Corinthians 9 and Galatians 6. And now the law of Christ, as we're going to discover, is Paul's shorthand for Jesus' new covenant command. And we talk about that all the time, right? We talked about it for the last four weeks, and we're going to talk about it some more because it's kind of a big deal. When Jesus gathered all of his disciples together for the final Passover, he said, guys, I'm giving you a new command. This command is going to be a substitute for all the other commands. I know you had like 613 rules. You had the Torah, but I'm giving you a new command because we're establishing a new covenant, And as you probably know, this new command was simple, yet dangerously complex. It was this, John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another. Imagine what he, like the climate in the first century, we have oppression in our world, but imagine, like, do some history and understand the climate that he's speaking into when he says love one another. Of how Rome was completely oppressing and demoralizing and, and, and fill in the blanks what, what they were doing to Jews. Like he, he's saying, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By this unique brand of new covenant love, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. It's like a two-way thing. We're both in this 100%, 100%. It's a community thing. It's a family thing. It's an all-skate. Remember all-skates? I loved all-skates because couple skates, I skated alone. So it's okay. Feel bad for me. It worked out in the end. Jesus is saying You should take your cues from me. Love people the way 
I have loved you. And so the Apostle Paul, he, he takes this idea and he pushes it through all of his letters as the unifying marching orders for anyone who is a follower of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 9, we see Paul say it this way. Verse 19, he says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. Why, Paul? To win as many people as possible. Paul says, look, I am on a mission and I don't have much time left. I did a lot of damage to the church and so I'm trying to make up for lost time. And man, do I feel this in my bones, in my soul. Some of you wonder why I get so passionate and so worked up and you want me to tone it down. Have you lost your mind? Do you know the pit of hell I was rescued from? How much damage I did in the past? I will not compromise my love for the lost. I will not. I, until the world knows, with as ever much time I have left, that everyone, this gospel is for them, that he is for them, his love is for them, his kingdom is for them. I will not tone it down, but I will stay in my lane, Lori. I will stay. I was close. I was close, Lori. You were late. You were supposed to tackle me. I was... Paul continues in verse 21. He says, to those not having the law, talking about the law of Moses, the Torah, to those not having the law, I became like one of those not having the law. What's he mean? He says, in other words, I became a Gentile in order to reach Gentiles, even though I'm Jewish. For those of you that understand this, like this is extreme, the lengths at which he would go to. It'd be like Paul saying, you know, like, he's going to go to, like, I don't know, Cleves. And uh, he's going to, like, say, hey, to the Republicans, ah, I'm going to become a Republican. And then he'd say to the Democrats, ah, I'm going to become a Democrat. Even though I'm neither of those things, I'm a citizen of heaven. But I want both of them to know that God's unfailing, never stopping, never giving up love is for both of them. Paul says... Though I am not free from the law of God, which a Jewish reader, their head would be spinning at this point. They'd be like, wait a minute, you said you're not under the law. You're not going to act like somebody that's under the law, but you're not out from underneath the law of God. And Paul's like, yeah, exactly, clear as mud. He's saying, I'm still under God's authority, but I'm not under Torah. And then he tells us what law he is under. And here's our phrase, verse 21. He says, but I am under the law of Christ. There it is. So I'm, not, I'm no longer under the law of Moses. I am still under God's authority because I'm under the law of Christ. And what is the law of Christ? To love one another as I have loved you. In his letter to Jesus' followers living in Galatia, we see this phrase again. This time it's a little more descriptive. It's Galatians 6 verse 2. Paul says this. He says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. When you see somebody who's burdened financially, when you see somebody who's burdened with kids, when you see somebody who's burdened with being a fan of the Browns, when you see somebody, 
When you see somebody who's burdened with work, somebody who's burdened with a physical ailment, somebody that's gotten tripped up in life, you, my church, he's saying, are to carry one another's burdens. And if you'll do that, you are fulfilling, here it is, the law of Christ. And what is the law of Christ? You are to Love one another as Christ has loved you. Are you sick of hearing me talking about loving one another? Too bad. He says, if you have a concern for someone, if you're sick of that, oh God, search my heart. Show any defect in me. Rip it out. Give me a new heart. If we ever grow tired of loving one another as Christ loved us, we have lost the first and greatest commandment over our lives. Maybe I could say it this way. When the concerns of others concern you and you act on it, you are fulfilling the law of Christ. You are doing what Jesus told his followers to do. If you are a Jesus follower, regardless of your political persuasion, these are your marching orders. The law of Christ, to love one another as I have loved you, should inform and shape our conscience. As a follower of Jesus, over time, our conscience should become hardwired into the law of Christ. So so when we see something that is contrary to loving one another as Christ loved us, it should bother us. A warning bell should go off. Our spidey sense should go off, right? Like danger, Will Robinson, danger, right? But not just our, our conscience personally, but our collective conscience as a group, as a body of believers, We should all be disturbed, irritated, and convicted by some of the same things. We should all be disturbed, irritated, and convicted when we see injustice. When we disrespect someone. When we see somebody in culture being disrespected. We should all be disturbed and irritated and convicted when we see people undermining their own future undermining their health, undermining their relationship with their kids, undermining the integrity of their family or the integrity of society, we should be moved by that and we should be moved to action. Because when the law of Christ informs an individual's conscience or the conscience of a community, a city, or a nation, things change. Jesus' single new covenant command was so powerful, it was baked into the crucifixion and resurrection. It was at the epicenter of the kingdom of God values. It, It will never go out of date. If we stop preaching, love one another, you should be concerned. It will not go out of date. It doesn't have a shelf life. We are forever and ever and ever for every generation to do for others what God through Christ has done for us. And so it is incumbent, it is imperative for us to do whatever it takes to be one, for unity. 
as Jesus prayed that we would be one in spite of our differences and political diversity. To do this, we have to push ourselves out of our comfort zones, out of complacency. We have to push ourselves to look past our own cultural context. Where you live, or where, where you're, you know, like who you're related to, or, or what school you go to, or how much money you make. That's our cultural context. Because here's the deal, where you sit determines what you will stand for. Where you sit determines your perspective in life. It determines what you see, what you experience, how you see it, how you interpret it. And this is true for all of us, from every persuasion. This is why, if I can push a little bit, if I can step on your toes, this is why most of you, some of you, don't see any conflict between your faith and your politics. You, you're loving this series right now, right? Oh, you're just like, oh, I love this. Some of my friends need to hear this message, right? All right, some of you couldn't wait to get the link from last week's teaching to share it with some of your friends. But you, you're good. You're good, right? Because when I put my faith first, clearly the Republicans are right. And some of you are saying amen for the first time in church, right? You're like, amen, Pastor John, amen. And others are like, amen, John, you're absolutely right. I'm with you 100%. I'm with you because I got my faith first, and that's why I'm a Democrat, right? Your political views, and you know this, we, we, we know this, our political views, they weren't shaped in a vacuum. And pausing long enough to recognize this. Pausing long enough to incorporate this into how we think, to how we process this is what it means to be mature. And oh my goodness, do we need maturity in our political conversation right now. That was a perfect time for an amen. <laughs> Friends, some of the things that are coming out of our mouths right now are absolutely unacceptable, especially for those of us who claim Christ as king. He is not just king over our eternity. He is king over our mind and mouth. Some of you have gotten so fired up over politics. Your political filter is so far out in front of your Jesus filter that you've compromised your integrity. You've compromised your mouth. Is it really necessary 
to speak with such division, with such disdain, just to prove a point or win an argument? What? Proverbs 18.21, right? The, The tongue has the power of life and death. But in this political climate, listen, do your words and actions promote unity? Do your words and actions promote oneness? Do your words and actions overflow from the law of Christ, loving one another as Christ loved us? Listen, y'all, we we all, everybody say all. That ain't good enough. Think like your political candidates up on the platform. Everybody say all. All. We all need to listen to the words of my mama. When I was growing up, she would say to me, boy, before you say something your backside is going to regret, you better think. My backside didn't always think. (laughs) Think. It's an acrostic. Before you speak, is it truthful? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Think. Pause long enough to think. That is leading with maturity. I'm not suggesting that we all just like, I'll get along and we'll sit in a circle and have a kumbaya moment. Shiny, happy people. I'm not suggesting that we all think the same way. That's ridiculous. I'm not suggesting that. There should be differences. There will always be differences. There will always be disagreements when it comes to just in a church. My goodness, it's okay to have differences in a church. It's okay to have differences in in politics. That's okay as long as we are mature. That we look for unity even in the face of diversity and differences in the political climate and in the church. If we just acknowledge this, take a deep breath, we can all learn something. We can gain understanding in terms of why other people act and think the way that they do and believe the way that they do. And we won't experience division. Because remember, where you stand depends on where you sit. Recognizing this, it allows us to open up our hands Open up our minds. Open up our hearts. And allow them to become mature hearts rooted and submitted to the law of Christ.
I want to give you three things to wrap up of, of how we do this in a simple way. This is simple. This, this isn't complicated. But sometimes you just got to say what everybody else knows and what you know so we remember to actually do it. Three things. First thing, begin to listen. Don't just hear noise waiting for your turn to talk. Listen. Specifically listen to people who don't experience the world the way that you do. Right? Listen to people that are different than you, not just the people that are in your camp, but you know, not just haves, have nots, Christians, not Christians, young, old, black, white, gay, straight, married, single, west side, east side, people who've been in the military, people who despise the military. Listen to people who have experienced the world differently than you have. Number two, when we start listening, we learn something. Learn something, okay? Don't just say like, well, I, I listen, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna think. <laughs> you laugh. <laughs> learn. Come on. We don't need to be afraid of new knowledge. We don't need to be afraid of new opinions. Be curious. I stole this from Sam Harris. He said, pay attention to the frontiers of your ignorance. <sighs> That's gold, y'all. <laughs> pay attention to the frontiers of your ignorance. Pay attention. I say this to myself all the time. John, don't turn away. Don't, don't just refuse to read a book. Or don't, don't just turn that off because you disagree with that worldview. You know, pay attention to the frontiers of your ignorance. Become a student, not a critic. Some of you have become amazing critics. Amazing critics. And I blame American Idol. Everybody's got, you're, you're, you're an expert, right? Everybody, you're, you're this amazing critic. Oh, really? Tell me about the decades that you've invested in perfecting the voice and, and the sound and what it takes. Oh, but you're an, oh, you tell me who's good. Oh, my goodness. Praise God for you. Some of you are amazing critics. You think, right, you're so good. Like, you, like, mute the TV so, like, you can give your own commentary to your family. And they love that, by the way. Pause. Listen to each other. Learn from each other. Because if we don't, we will begin to discount anything that doesn't fit perfectly into our flawed worldview. And then we will quit learning. And when we quit learning... Something horrible happens inside of us. We have to be better than that. Kelly and I, we hold each other to this standard. The day we stop learning is the day we stop leading. Learn. Number three, the L word, 
love. Never, ever, 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 never, ever, 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 never burn a relational bridge over a political view. Never, ever burn a relational bridge over a political view. But you're like, well, they started it. What are you, five? Never burn a relationship, a human being, a relational bridge over a political view because this goes back to Jesus' commandment. This goes back to the cross. This goes back to the epicenter of what we believe as Jesus followers. The you beside you is more precious to God than your flawed political view. A view that you changed like 10 years ago and it's going to change again in five years. Because while you and the person that you're burning bridges down with, while you were still yet sinners, Christ died for both of you. And how dare we burn down a relationship bridge for whom someone died for? Christ died for them. But you're going to burn the bridge? Come on, we've got to do better. Think, listen, learn, love. And I know, oh man, I feel it. I am so on an island right now. Some of y'all will never experience what it feels like up here. Like, I know what some of you are thinking right now. Like, okay, new guy. Okay, that's pretty naive. Listen, that's cute. Three L's. Listen, learn, and love. You obviously aren't from the west side, not with those boots. Like you, clearly, you don't really think it's going to make a difference. Okay. Just remember this. Once upon a time, there were a handful of messed up, broken, less than Jesus followers that were crushed between an empire and the temple. And they gave to Caesar what was Caesar's and they gave to God what was God's, their lives. And now the empire is no more. The temple is no more. Rome's most famous emperor is nothing but a footnote in the story of a carpenter from Nazareth. Kingdoms come and go, empires rise and fall, but Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and nothing, not even the gates of hell are going to be able to stop it. And he did, and we've been invited to be a part of it, and that is still our way forward and our responsibility, especially in a season of political division In a divided world, in a divided community, our responsibility is to show the world to listen and to learn and to love, to show people that it is entirely possible to disagree politically, to love unconditionally while we pray and fight together for unity. Because at Calvary, at the cross, we lost our right to do anything less than that.
Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for what you did for every single one of us. It is enough. I thank you for how you love us. I thank you for the calling on each and every one of us to promote unity and not division. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for how you have called all of us here right here under the sound of my voice, wherever we may find ourselves, that you have called us to promote that oneness in Christ, to fall under the authority of the law of Christ, to love each other. Jesus, I ask that you will do a mighty and profound thing through this, your church, to let the world see that is it entirely possible to love each other even in the spite, in the midst of differences. We submit ourselves to you, Jesus. I ask that you do a mighty work in our hearts and a mighty work in our lives. It's in your son's name that all God's people say, amen. amen.